Welcome everybody to the Canadian Sports Bet Podcast. Baseball is back, thank God, and it's March Madness time. Johnny, let's go. I don't know about you, John, but for me, it, uh, I feel like the lockout was that much more painful, and the end of the lockout yesterday was that much more of a relief, probably compounded by the pandemic lockdown, and it feels like just like a dark, long winter that we're starting to emerge from, uh, or are emerging from now, and have been emerging from, I guess, for the past couple of months, but uh, yeah, what a relief. It just felt like the worst possible time for uh, a lockout to be happening in major league baseball very selfish and uh, rob manford the commissioner of major league baseball started off by apologizing to fans which is the right thing to do and uh, a little condescending didn't really care for his tone when he said uh, well you know uh, that's how collective bargaining works sometimes like oh you idiots out there don't understand this is exactly how we planned <laughs> i didn't really like his tone there john but a happy day well, i was very cheerful to hear the news and uh, i'm excited that players are reporting starting today Everybody's got to be in camp by this weekend, and we're, of course, focusing on free agency, the window for free agent signings starting up again. We're looking at how those free agent signings over the next day or two or coming week will impact the odds on who the favorites are. And, of course, we're focused, we're the Canadian Sports Bet Podcast, we're focused on our Blue Jays, who, fortunately, John, are near the top of those odds, some of the shortest odds are really close to the favorite to win the World Series in 2022, which, of course, was the biggest factor in the frustration over the lockout and the joy that it ended because this is the year. John, put it down now. This is the year for our Jays. What do you say? Good morning, by the way. Well, good morning, Matt. I uh, echo your sentiments. I um, couldn't agree with you more. That was just exciting news yesterday. Remember, we did a pod uh, about baseball probably the day that we thought that the there was going to be an announcement that there's a season on <laughs> mistakenly and, thought yes yeah i was thrilled to hear it all and, and you could just imagine all the people sort of baseball fans at least scrambling to a you know fan graphs or a baseball perspective or athletic or whatever whatever their the the website that they choose to consume baseball content uh, and getting um getting some uh, getting ready for the season and uh, and their fantasy leagues and stuff like that it's um yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, uh, especially in light of what you said about the Blue Jays. Yeah, and, and we were touching on uh, the some of the pending free agents. We're excited about the Jays, and they're near the top of the boards, right, John? We're going to take a quick look at the odds and see where they sit and how they've moved recently. Saw some movement, uh, the odds lengthening on the Jays for some reason coming out of yesterday. I'm not sure why that would be or what developed. The only thing... Maybe. I mean, obviously the big ones out there, number one probably is uh, Carlos Correa, the former Astros shortstop, the uh, leader in defensive war and uh, significant offensive piece as well. And uh, he's sort of at the top, the biggest free agent that's out there, along with Freddie Freeman, of course. But on the increase, what people have been speculating on is uh, the increase in the CBT, or an acronym that we all have come to hate, uh, but the competitive balance tack with the increase, not just this year, but over the ensuing four years, there might be another little bit of room, wiggle room there for the Astros to make their, what had previously been thought to be their last best offer for Correa. It might not be that the last offer, in fact, given that uh, additional flexibility that they have financially with the new uh, CBA. So is there a possibility that people are speculating Correa might return to the Astros? I, I just see the Astros 
moving positive in a positive direction for them and uh, the Jays moving slightly further. I mean, we can't complain. They're still near the top, still in the top three or five, depending on which board you look at. But certainly some of those pieces coming off the board and there is expected to be a domino effect because some of the teams that are speculated to be in play for some of these guys uh, won't give up if they don't get their number one pick. They'll, uh, they'll number one pick, so to speak, a top free agent target. They'll move on to the next one. So whether it's Chris Bryant or Carlos Correa or Freddie Freeman or Trevor Story or, or uh, the other guys in this picture, uh, Kyle Schwarber, others, um, there'll be that sort of domino effect and the odds should react accordingly uh, as they come off the board. Don't you think, John? Yeah, no, that's well said because Carlos Correa, to me, is, a, is my long shot pick to actually be the MVP this year. Mm-hmm. You know, Freddie Freeman is a multi-time uh, MVP candidate. Like, these are significant pieces that are going to make legitimate shifts in the betting boards when their signings come. We saw that a little bit, Matt, with the NFL, with this Aaron Rodgers news yeah. and Russ, Russell Wilson news and uh, Carson Wentz news. These big key contributors sh- shift markets. And Freddie Furman and Carlos Correa are two guys that will shift markets. So, yeah, when Major League Baseball stopped, that's when the free agent signing signings also stop because there's no business being conducted. That'll that'll fire up over the next month for sure. It will, and many Blue Jays fans speculating on Chris Bryant saying, uh, you know, we don't have an all-star third baseman currently. I've made the case in the past, and we've discussed John many times, and we don't need to belabor it now. I want to move on to maybe looking at some of the MVP odds uh, where the Jays are positioned favorably, and also at Cy Young. But I've made the case, and we've, as I said, with the existing in-house assets that the, the Jays have, the players that they have in their prospect system. Uh, so, namely, last year Santiago Espinal had a good year at third base, even though he didn't have a full season, but uh, statistically performed very well. I understand he's not Chris Bryant, but would you just give up on him at this point, given how he's performed in the limited opportunities that he's been given? Uh, of course, Jordan Groshans is the other big piece there. That's a guy that's a uh, former number one round, first round draft pick, uh, very highly touted. He's filling out uh, or developing physically more. He's a power bat and is arguably the top offensive uh, prospect in the Blue Jays' entire farm system. So, again, projected, he's currently playing short and third uh, at A Buffalo. He's expected to be this year, but he's also slated in the prospect list of the Blue Jays to arrive in the big leagues in 2022. So it's hard to envision why they wouldn't at least give him an opportunity. And do you want to be, whether it's trading him for Jose Ramirez or just positioning him behind uh, a Chris Bryant, for example, at third base, if you acquire him as a free agent, it's just, it's a little confusing to me. And I just think there's a, a better way to allocate assets, the limiting limited wiggle room they have or maneuverability underneath the CBT that the Jays have left. They obviously have some big signings already this year with Brios and uh, Gossman and others. Um, so wouldn't that money be better spent on a Carlos Rodon, who's still out there as a free agent uh, pitcher for the White Sox, threw a no-hitter last year. It was a perfect game or no-hitter? I think it was a no-hitter. Obviously had injury uh, issues. Yeah. Yeah. Has had injury issues throughout his career. But, you know, we can go into more detail there. But the point is, we're excited about the Blue Jays, the remaining potential moves in free agency. I'd like them to see them give uh, Biggio another shot at second. I'd like to see them give... Groshans and Santiago Espinal a shot at third based on the case I just made and there's money could be more effectively more efficiently spent for the franchise as they make a push into their competitive window for the next five seven years based on Mm -hmm. the ages of Bo and Vladdy and others and uh, 
Alec Manoa and others. Um, I'd like to see that money spent on pitching, which was obviously their weakness last year. Run prevention was the issue last year. It wasn't run creation, was it, John? Let's 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 let. I don't I don't want <laughs> I don't want Jose Ramirez. I don't want Chris Bryant. I want I want to give these guys a chance. And 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 the guy specifically you mentioned was um, Santiago Espinal. You know, Fangrass has him for you know four hundred and forty at bats. Mm-hmm. You know, he has they haven't penciled in for eight home runs and 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 fifty RBIs and and numbers like that and maybe 10, 10 stolen bases. Like the war will be there for for Espinal. Okay, and how about uh, Alejandro Kirk? Okay, some three hundred some uh, at bats. He's going to hit 15 home runs. He's going to get 50 RBIs. He's going to have a war of two, you know, and Biggio, they got him projected for 440 some at bats. He's going to hit 17 home runs and, and 50 some RBIs, 60 RBIs and bounce back and produce a, a one and a half wins above replacement. So like, I want to, I want to, I want to go into the season like this. Let's just see where it goes. Let the chemistry build, let the culture build. They got a full season of George Springer. Knock on wood. I knocked mm. on wood, Matt. And, and just see where it goes. And then they can start making some moves in, um, in, 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 in June and July. Agreed. I like, I've heard an old adage. They say, uh, you know, 162 games, say the first 50, figure out uh, what you have. Second 50, mm-hmm. fix the problems uh, based on what you've seen. And the uh, last 50, try and win. So there's an evolution that uh, typically goes over the course of a six-month season uh, in the team's performance and individual performances, and you need to react and respond. And there's other windows, like you're saying, like there's still trade deadline 2022, you know, after the All-Star break. And so if there's a problem with some of those approaches, then they can certainly be revisited later. So I agree there. Did you want to uh, look at the MVP odds, John? You know, whose odds? Uh, yeah. Uh, Showtime, he's back. Shohei Otani. He, uh, he doesn't have to worry about uh, the National League hitting as a pitcher anymore. No one does anymore. What an historic change that was. Goodbye to the uh, pitchers hitting after uh, I was listing MLB Network. They were saying the, the only professional league in the world, so Japan, Korea, wherever else, Australia, uh, that had retained the uh, pitchers hitting was the National League. So they were the last bastion of... But anyway, it's gone. And so uh, Shohei, uh, he's in the American League, obviously. So, But uh, he is the favorite listed currently at plus 400, so four to one. Second... Sitting right there is uh, Vladdy at seven and a half to one. Mike Trout, obviously part of the picture. Any thoughts on that, John, or on the Cy Young for the American League? We're excited about the Jays, obviously, heading into the season. Yeah, and and we 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 monitor it nearly weekly during the season, and it is really among the most fun things, and frankly, the most lucrative things that one can do um, during a baseball season. The day-to-day, game-to-game grind is, 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 is what it is. It's a grind, okay? You can't sort of handicap every game um, unless you're making money professional, professional, as a professional. But checking in weekly on the, uh, the rising and the falling of various uh, uh, players in a, in, a, in, a, in a stock market scenario, what's wrong with that? So I'm going to go back to those young guys. I want to look at the young guys that might progress to be the next one. All right. Um, and, and that's, that's a Louis Roberts, you know, I want him at 28 to one, you know, five tool guy. That's going to, you know, is, is the next 30, 30 guy. Okay. Kyle Tucker is a 30, 30 type player. He's 28 to one. These are the kinds of guys that I want. All right. Everybody knows 
the guys you mentioned, the Otanis, the Trouts, and Vladis. They're the most, they're the best players and they're most likely winners. But what we're trying to do here is look for value, look for long shots that might be able to uh, cash us a ticket. Um, George Springer, we talked about him. George Springer, 50 to 1. Like an Eloy Jimenez. If the White Sox are so good, why couldn't another White Sox guy jump up as they win 100 games and be something? He's 50 to 1, right? You got to look at guys like this to have some fun with these markets. Yeah, the other one, to your point, John, that's interesting, uh, down the odds a little bit, how about Marcus Simeon? So he finished third in MVP voting in the last mm-hmm. two full seasons, so leave out the short and 60-game season. So with the A's, full season, finished third overall in MVP voting in, uh, what was it, 2020, and then, or 2019, and then 2020 short season. Last year, obviously, the monster year and set all kinds of records and won all kinds of awards. He's at 40-1 to 1 to win the MVP for a guy that finished third in the last two consecutive mm-hmm. full seasons. So... Some value there potentially. The other last one I'd mention is just uh, Bobachette at twenty to one. Isn't that nice to see? So he is the sixth shortest odds on DraftKings Nation uh, to win the MVP. We like to see that. So obviously Vladdy second, and then Bo sixth, sitting in there at fifth. John, I can't help but notice J Ram. The uh, we were both talking about. Like, let's not rush into acquiring him. But can you imagine that if you get three of the top six MVP uh, favorites in the lineup. And then, of course, George Springer hanging back there as well. So fun time to be a Blue Jays fan, to say the least. Uh, did you want to comment on uh, Cy Young at all this year? We talked about that previously, John. But uh, any thoughts from you on either the National League saw, side or the American League? Uh, National League should be interesting if Trevor Bauer can reemerge. And, of course, uh, Jacob deGrom is there and others. So uh, any thoughts on that? I do have a thought. I, I do have a thought on this, Matt. It's a conceptual point for people as they go into bet baseball, all right, especially in these long-term markets. You know, most of the sites will have most hits and most home runs and most saves, whatever, those markets, okay? When we're going to do plenty of this over the, over the next uh, month or as we, as we roll into baseball. Um, but look at, look at some of those projection sites and fan graphs. We've talked about fan graphs a lot. It's a free site. Just go there. And just if you're looking for projections for 2022, just look at the guys that are, are near the top on, on, uh, for, for home runs, for example. Okay. And you're talking about Vladdy Guerrero and Fernando Tatis. All right. Now, and then just go to those markets and there, those markets are out there. Most runs scored, most stolen bases, most strikeouts, things like that. And, and, and see, and view it through a similar lens of that marketplace. Fangraphs has got Vladdy Guerrero at seven to one. They, uh, pardon me, at uh, with the most home runs, and he's figures to be he's seven to one. Okay, he's the favorite. Fernando Tatis is next on that particular list. All right, he's the second choice. But start looking at guys that are at the top of the Fangraphs lists for home runs. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what team or what league or whatever you just sort it and they actually have a sort function on there that allows you to sort by home runs and see if you have a long shot that you want to throw in there so let's cut to the chase and i'll be brief matt let's cut to the chase what's wrong with a guy like pete alonzo mm, okay polar bear yeah All right pete alonzo hey pete alonzo now this is according to fan graphs and you can use your whatever method you want but if you're here to have fun and to be entertained by it Fangraphs has been around for a long time. It's a very powerful, well-regarded resource. 
Tatis has 46 home runs. Vladdy has 46 home runs. Pete Alonso has 42, okay, according to fan graphs, projected to be 42 home runs, according to fan graphs. And he's 14 to 1. He's the seventh choice on this list. So all I'm, all I'm suggesting is go through stuff like that. Go through the sort it, sort it by, by the column and, and find out whom, who they project, a professional site like Fangraphs, project who they think is going to lead in those categories. And, of course, they're going to have those guys that are, that are at the top of the list are going to likely be favored. But scoot down a little bit. Find a long shot who might be near the top of the list on things like that. Again, we'll go into this more uh, as, the, as the weeks and months go by, but that's a quick burst of concept on how to have fun with baseball betting. Go to a projection site, sort on the columns, and, 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 and figure out if there's a long shot that you might be able to play as a value. Yeah, and we've talked, John, the good stuff. We've talked about the, the steamer, which is the uh, fan graphs uh, name for its uh, projection system. <laughs> and I've got a note here. Uh, so uh, primary projection system used for individual player relies on past performance and aging trends to develop a future projection for players. It also uses pitch tracking data to help forecast pitchers and is widely regarded as one of the most accurate predictors in the industry. So I wrote a piece on this uh, and you and I have talked about it at length, but the top five Blue Jays who are, are predicted to make the biggest increase in uh, performance in war and so on by steamer is George Springer, uh, Nate Pearson, Kevin Biggio, Alejandro Kirk, as you mentioned, and Danny Jansen rounding out the top five. So we'll see lots to talk about going forward. You and I are thrilled that baseball's back because we want to see our, how our Blue Jays fare this year and uh, just to watch the league generally. It's a nice sign of spring, so we're thrilled to be, uh, be able to talk about it again. And speaking of signs of spring, John, it's almost time for Bracketology. March Madness is upon us in uh, just a few days. We've got Selection Sunday, is that what it's called, John? The show coming up is. in a couple of days. And uh, we've got some interesting Canadian angles here in uh, the uh, tournament that I wanted to touch on, including in some of the uh, favorites for the tournament. So uh, before I go through a few of those, John, I just I, for, as a fan of basketball and as a fan of uh, Canadian sports generally and of March Madness, I like to pick out a few players to zero in in particular. And if there's Canadians, as there are this year, who are on some of these favorite teams, it makes the viewing experience that much more fun. And uh, to look at some of the odds as well for their teams uh, as we go forward. But I've got three here, John. But before I get into that, you want to make a comment on uh, on any of that? Yeah. I mean, it is absolutely one of my favorite times of year. And I, I brought it on the, on the pod the other day. The conference tournament week is, a, is probably my favorite week of, of basketball betting. You know, of course, March Madness is Candyland. I get that. And I enjoy it, of course, just like the rest of us. I fill out brackets, things like that. Okay? It's, it's hard not to. You know, our own kids, uh, you know, our own spouses might, you know. But yeah. conference tournament week, you get to find out information that sets you up for, for, for the NCAA. And there's also plays within that within that tournament. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll be brief on this one point, Matt, and I'm going to, I'm going to actually give out a play as a result of, and this is a conceptual, conceptual point, like coach speak. We've talked about coach speak in the past. Okay. It's a very important thing when trying to figure out who's going to win the games in the immediate. All right. So a coach says X, they say something like, yeah, I think we're going to try tonight that there's an extra incentive for them to win. All right. So, 
Fast forward to yesterday. Mike Krzyzewski's last season, very excited. Um, they play Syracuse, and they almost lose to Syracuse in the ACC tournament, their division. And it doesn't mean anything to Mike Krzyzewski if they win the ACC tournament or not. He's got lots of them. He's looking for NCAA titles. Here's his quote after they just got by Syracuse last night, okay, or in the afternoon yesterday. He says, quote, can't practice those things, so we just try to get ready for the next day, especially for next week. Okay? So he's talking about this difficult Syracuse game. He doesn't particularly care about playing or, 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 or playing at the highest level tonight. That's not to say he's not, they're not going to try. But are they, are they game planned specifically to try and win tonight's game or today's game? Okay? No. He's looking at the long-term picture for next week. This guy is trying to win championships. Will the focus be there tonight to beat, and they play Miami of Florida, okay, in the ACC tournament? Mm -hmm. Is the focus going to be there for that game? I submit no. He's looking at next week to try and win the NCAA championship where all all of his brain space, all of his resources are going into trying to win the national championship. They're not a one-and-done team trying to win one tournament game. They're trying to win the title. They could care less about the ACC tournament. They could care less about the first-round game. They're trying to win NCAA tournaments. So I submit, give me Miami plus the points against Duke at 7 o'clock tonight. And I dare say, I'm not going to do it, I dare say Miami wins the game outright. Okay? Now, I'm not going to play it that way. I mean, I don't have that kind of ticker. Plus nine. Okay, Matt, 7 o'clock, Miami, Florida Hurricanes, plus 9 against Duke. And, and I, it's building upon that coach-speak concept that we've talked about in previous pods, but it, it's real life right now. Coach K talked about the game last night as being difficult. Can't practice those things. It'll be good for us for the next day, especially next week. What kind of coach talks about next week's game instead of tonight's game? <laughs> Coach K is talking about next week. He knows what the grand prize is. Care less about tonight comparatively. Give me Miami plus nine. I like it. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking at Duke Miami tonight goes at 7 o'clock, followed by Vatek and uh, UNC. So quite possible it's not the first time a coach has understood the importance and certainly someone as experienced as Coach K that you need your team to peak at the right time. And he also knows there's a lot of value in a loss in a tough situation. Uh, and you can learn more from that often from that adversity than you can from another rolling up another win. So is it possible that he's thinking about that sort of mental preparation and gearing his team up at the right time and having them firing in all cylinders and peeking into the big dance next week? Uh, is it possible also that he, uh, the team would psychologically be looking past Miami uh, Hurricanes tonight uh, and looking ahead to a rematch with North Carolina that took them out uh, with an ugly second half for uh, with Jerry Seinfeld and a bunch of other Cameron crazies at Cameron Indoor for Coach K's last game there last week. So they might be looking past Miami tonight uh, and underperforming as a result in anticipation of that looming potential rematch with North Carolina. And uh, interesting to see how things uh, unfold heading into the tournament next week. So, yeah, what, what do you think of that, John? What are the lines you're seeing? Uh, is it the money line I see here for the Duke-Miami matchup? Or how, you mentioned the point spread as well. Yep. So uh, you can get uh, you can get Miami at plus 330 or something like that. Now, like that's if that, that 
you know, I mean, risk reward, classic risk reward. So I'm going to be on, I'm going to be on Miami, Miami uh, plus nine, you know, a, a braver person takes the money line with Miami at plus three thirty or so, mm-hmm. you know, shop around, of course, uh, plus three fifty in another spot. I just looked. So um, that's all. That's all. I just, I just think Duke. It's a soft spot for Duke. Your narrative is a good one too, Matt. Maybe they are looking forward towards uh, North Carolina instead. Makes a lot of sense. But I think the bigger prize is next week in the uh, NCAA tournament. Speaking of the tournament, a couple of people to watch there. Uh, and so just perusing some of the Canadians on top ranked teams. Nice to see them there. So Zach Eddy for Purdue, the seven four tallest player in the history of the Big Ten. John, how crazy is that? From Lee Side, Lee Side High School. He's now Amazing. a sophomore at uh, Purdue. They are favored to win the Big Ten tournament this weekend. Great, to, fun to watch this guy on YouTube if you have a minute or if you haven't seen him play. He's incredible. He's got great touch. He's unbelievably huge man, uh, not just tall but sort of thick as well. And uh, he's got the soft touch around the basket. He's so big though. He's got a little trouble. He's a bit of a liability on defense, which means whether it's fouls or just inability to defend, he can't stay on the floor. So his offensive numbers aren't what they otherwise would be if he played bigger minutes than he does currently. But still. As a sophomore, second team, all Big Ten, a projected late first-round pick potentially in the NBA draft in 2022. His teammate, Jaden Ivey, projected as potentially the first overall pick, depending on which board you look at. But Purdue sitting there at plus 1,500, so interesting to watch Zach Eddy, the big 7-4 center uh, or forward, I guess, uh, center sometimes at Purdue. Another one, Andrew Nembhard from Gonzaga, 6'5", senior point guard. He's from Aurora here in the GTA. Uh, been compared to Jose Calderon. Remember him, John, for the Raptors? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Transfer from I mean, Florida. I was a big fan. He had no defense, but he was a big fan. Yeah, he, he, was, he was great on offense. Uh, yeah. Now now projected as on some boards as a top 10, as high as a top 10 pick in the looming NBA draft. His teammate Chad Holmgren, depending on where you look, is either the first or second uh, pick in the draft as well. Gonzaga, one of the favorites, right, John, if not the favorite, at plus 375. So Andrew Nembhard, another uh, player from Canada from the GTA here in Toronto. Ben Mathurin, 6'6 shooting guard for uh, from Montreal, also played hockey and was a quarterback in football in high school. 19-year-old sophomore, plays for Arizona. He's also projected as a lottery pick, so uh, a lot of high picks here from Canada. Nice to see Arizona on the board I'm looking at is sitting at plus 600, one of the high favorites as well. And that's the three I was going to mention. The other one, just to throw in, when I was uh, reading some of the stuff ahead of the show today, Shaden Sharp, this strange situation. He was rated by ESPN as the number one player in his class coming out of high school for uh, like Canada and the U.S. or the world. He was the number one player coming out of high school, went to Kentucky, Coach Cal, like other Canadians, um, hasn't played this year. And as Coach Calipari, they asked him about it. He uh, he said, well, he might not play at all this year, and that never really was the plan for him to play this year. Things are getting so strange with the G League and guys getting paid to go to the G League, and I, th- I think he was offered $1.5 million to play in the G League rather than go to college, but he's in Kentucky. I guess he's getting coaching and developing with other players, but he's not seeing any game time, so it's a strange thing, and he's still even despite not playing this year, is projected as a top five NBA pick. So a lottery pick, even though you don't play all year, Strange situation. So that's the list. Zach Eddy, Andrew Nampar, Gonzaga, Ben Mathurin from Arizona, Shaden Sharp. Maybe let's throw him in there for the uh, conference championship and the uh, March Madness tournament, John. So any comments, any of those guys? It makes for interesting viewing, doesn't it? Uh, Matt, I just, I, I mean, those four are very, very high on any player metric 
that one uh, that one can see. Like I brought up Ken Palm and uh, Bart Torvik uh, last on the last pod, and those guys are off the chart. Again, a metric that I look at. People can look at their own metrics. Uh, I look at BPM, which is a box box score metric that we talk about often on our show in the NBA world. And all those guys are near the top. Um, and uh, it's clear that they lead their teams. Um, Nebhard, of course, has Holmgren uh, aside him. So uh, to me, <laughs> it's the least cool thing I've done. Well, you know, I've done a lot of uncool things, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> come on. I, I like Gonzaga. I like Gonzaga yep. quite yep. a bit to mm-hmm. finally win a title. How close have these guys been for the last 10, 12 years? And Nebhardt is one of the reasons why. A Canadian from Aurora is one of the reasons why this team is going to win. So, um, uh, and, and Chet Holmgren to me is he, he's a really tall, skinny guy with just crazy hops that is, uh, is obviously uh, onto something else. And they've got depth. I think, I think they're going to win. Uh, they, got, they lost to St. Mary's there last week, I guess. And that was their wake up call. They ended up blowing through their tournament, conference tournament. Uh, I think they're on their way this year. It's an unsexy pick. I'm going to use it in my in my pool picks, my uh, March Madness picks. So um, that's where I'm looking at for uh, a specific play in the March Madness. All right. I like it. Good stuff. And uh, so we'll look forward to that. We have the conference uh, selection, the tournament selection show running on Sunday. So we'll know more about uh, the different seedings and so on. But uh, anything else on March Madness, John, or in Major League Baseball, we're going to take it over today, today I believe. Yeah, no. Th- th- those are two things that th- very much March things, aren't they, Matt? The baseball and, uh, and, and, and March Madness. Those are, the, those are the, the rites of spring to me. You know, I, I, I mean, I don't get all that romantic about it, but the romantic leanings of people can, can, can bring up that the spring is near, right? You know, the March Madness tournament is here, and of course the green grass of baseball is uh, is here. So, uh, and 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 I mean, you could just see uh, a full summer of talking about uh, the Blue Jays and and baseball ahead for us. It's going to be so much fun. It is uh, good stuff, John. Okay, I think uh, you covered it all today. We uh, fun to have baseball back. We'll look forward to chatting again uh, next week. And uh, until then, remember to have fun, everyone. Remember to bet responsibly. This is just about value for your entertainment dollar. Uh, so have fun. Have a good weekend, brother. And uh, we are out, John. Peace. Thanks, man. Take care.